Father, we come before you this morning and we want to lift up your name. The name Jesus Christ, the one who went to the cross on our behalf and paid the price for our sin and made it so that we could have a relationship restored and renewed with the Father. Thank you. Thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the fact that if we are in Christ, the Spirit indwells us. The Spirit provides everything that we need. And in the next few moments, we ask that we would hear from you. We ask that your Spirit would be free to touch our hearts. Father, we bring into a room this size, this many people, a lot of different distractions. A lot of stuff happened this week. Some of it's been great. Some of it's, it, it's been exciting. Some of it's been really difficult and painful. And God, I pray that you would minister to our hearts, that you would meet us in the part of life that we're in right now, and that you would speak to us by your Spirit. So guide and direct, help our hearts to be open. We'll praise you for what you do in us. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks, you may have a seat. We're glad that you could be here with us this morning. One thing I forgot to mention to you during our announcement time was that we have these contact cards. There's a bunch of them. There's some on the back table. If you've been coming here or this, this is what you call home, uh, if you'd take a moment to fill one of these out and place it on that back table, it's just your name, information, uh, as far as how we could get a hold of you. Uh, If you want to be up to date on what's going on, there are emails go out. Uh, We do it through our app as well and on the website, but it's just one more way for us to be able to be in contact with you. So if you're interested in that at all, those contact cards are back there. If you were with us last week, Pastor Mike started uh, to unpack a little bit of a series on our finances, and, and he gave a little disclaimer at the beginning, and I'm going to repeat some of that disclaimer at the beginning today, and that's this, that often you come to church and you go, oh, here they go, they're going to talk about money, they want our money. That's not why we're talking about this this morning. Uh, we want to talk to you about what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And we want to talk to you about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And being a disciple is one who follows what it is that the master teaches. And God, in his wisdom, when he was writing scripture, chose to say a lot about our finances, about our money. And he did that because he knows something about us. And he knows that our money is one of the fastest ways for us to go sideways. You follow me? Our money is one of those things that can tweak us. It can take us down a journey we never intended on going down. It can make us think things about God that he never intended for us to think about. It can make us do things in our family and with our friends that we didn't plan on doing. And money has an incredible ability to control us. And if not viewed as God views it, it can actually become our God. It can be something that we end up worshiping. And so we want to unpack this and just talk about how God views money, how he sees money from a scriptural background, how God wrote about money. And this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about giving accordingly. Now, in order to do this, you have to start from the right place, okay? And in order to have this conversation, you have to realize a couple things. And I mentioned it before we took our offering this morning, and that's this. We live in an incredibly blessed culture. 
right? We do. And even those who in our culture are considered in the poverty level, in most of the world, are wealthy. Let me say that again. Even those in our culture, who our world, our culture would look at and say they're at the poverty level, they're struggling to get by. Those people in most of the world today would be considered wealthy. Okay? We live from a point of view of much. Most of you seated in this room right at this moment could go home right now and eat out of your cupboards, some of you for a year. Some of you are little squirrels and your stores. Some of you for a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month. It's there. We, 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 we live out of more of plenty. And, and often we'll say, there's nothing in the cupboards to eat. Right? And what we're really saying is, there's nothing that I want to go home and prepare. That's what we're really saying. Right? Are you with me? Yeah. Okay. Most of us could go home right now And in your closet, if you really decided to wear all the clothes that are in your closet, you may not have to do laundry for a very long time. Now, some of the clothes may not fit all that well because you haven't purged in a while. And I don't mean your physical, I mean your clothing. You've had them way too long. Some of you wouldn't want to be caught dead in some of the stuff that you've still got in your closet. And some of you are already thinking, man, the laundry I would have to do when I came to the end of all my clothes. Mike has a new washer, by the way, and he would love to do loads. He's excited about the washer and nuts. We have all kinds of stuff. If we were to go to our closets, if we were to go down through all the stuff that we have stored up, we have tons of stuff. And this morning I want to talk about giving accordingly. To whom much is given, much is required. Now, that's about truth, but it's about responsibility. And I want to talk to you about our heart and where our heart is with God in line with what he's blessed us with, what he's given to us. And I want you to think from that background this morning as we have this conversation. I want to read a, a parable. A parable is a story that Jesus uses to explain a truth. And if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 25, but let me give you a little background before we read this in Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is sitting down with his disciples and they're asking him some questions about what it will be like in the kingdom of heaven. And they're asking him some of the practical how-tos, some of the things that if you stop long enough and think about it, you'll, you would ask, like, hey, hey, Jesus, how is this all going to work? What, what's going to happen? Jesus, what, how, does, how does becoming a Christ follower and living in the kingdom, how does all that stuff work out? And in the conversation in Matthew 24, 25, 20, in that, Jesus jumps into some parables and he starts talking about what the kingdom of God is like and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and how being a 
a follower or a disciple of Jesus Christ is different than being in a worldly kingdom. How, the, how it's different to live with Jesus Christ as the master, the Lord. And so when we're reading this story, he's going to use the word master here, and he's talking about God. He's talking about Jesus being the Lord or the master of life, okay? And so when he's talking this story and he's telling this story, you need to understand something, that he's talking to his, he's, he's talking to his disciples. He's having a conversation with his disciples. So let's jump in at verse 14. And he says this. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey. So the kingdom of heaven or living with Jesus is about like a man who's going on a journey. He called to his own servants and he entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents. Now that doesn't make a lot of sense to us. Five talents, what in the world is that? So let's do it this way. To one he gave $5,000. To another he gave $2,000. And to another he gave $1,000. It just brings it to our, our world. You can actually see the dollars. This is what it looks like, okay? He's giving them some responsibility depending on each one's ability. Then he went on a journey, and immediately the man who had received the five talents went, and he put them to work, and he earned five more. And in the same way, the man with two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, and he dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his money, his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants came, and he settled accounts with them. The man who had received five thousand approached presented his five more and said master you gave me five thousand so see i have earned five more the master said to him well done good and faithful servant you were faithful over a few things i'll put you in charge of many things share in your master's joy the man who had two thousand also approached and the master uh, he said master you gave me these two thousand see i have earned two more And the master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, and I'll put you in charge of many more. Share in your master's joy. Then the man who had received 1,000 also approached, and he said, Master, I know you. You're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered. So I was afraid, and I went off, and I hid that 1,000 in the ground. See, you have what is yours. Here it is. His master replied to him, you evil, lazy servant, if you knew that I reaped where I hadn't sown and gathered where I hadn't scattered, then you should have deposited your money with the bankers. And I would have received my money back with some interest when I returned. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. We're going to stop right there. So here's the parable. It's a story that Jesus is telling, and he's telling a story about some servants. And I want to make a couple of observations about the passage. We're not going to, I'm not getting into a a deep pull apart here, but I want to pull some observations. So we're on the same page when we're talking about this story that Jesus is giving to his disciples. Observation number one that I want you to catch is this. They're all servants of the same master. Okay? Okay. All of the servants belong to the master. They, they all 
have been working with this master. They all have sat at this master's table. They've all had dealings with this same master. They've been together. They know the master. They all are the master's servants. In this room, if you are a Christ follower at this moment, you belong to the same master that I do. We are all servants of the same master. Okay? We all fit on the same page. They belong to this master. Now, the second thing that you want to notice from this little story here is this. The master knows the servants. It's not just that he bought them and he owns them, but he knows all of his servants because the the passage tells us this about the servants. It says, and the master came and he gave to those servants according to what? Do you remember? To their abilities. To their ability. The master knew the servant. He knows each of the servants well. He knows all about the servants. He knows what makes them tick. He knows their giftedness. He knows their abilities. And he comes beside them and he gives them responsibility according to what they can do. He doesn't look at them and say, hey, look, you, you studied carpentry, so I'm going to make you a steel worker. You understand how to pound nails, So I'm going to make you fix cars. That's not what he does. He says this, I know your abilities and I will give you the responsibility according to what your ability is. You get that? Do you follow that? If you're a Christ follower here this morning, guess what? The master, he knows your abilities. And he knows them really well because he gave them to you. He gave them to you. And he knows what to expect of you because he's the one who set you up with the gifts and the abilities that you have. He knows them well enough to know what to give them. Now, here's the next little observation about this story is this. It says that he goes to them and he gives them some responsibility. The master goes to them and he trusts them with his stuff. Do you catch that? This isn't like, I went and I borrowed all this stuff and I'm coming and I'm going to trust Gavin with it and I hope he treats it well. It's my stuff. And when I give it to him, I want him to be responsible with my stuff. I want him to treat my stuff The same way I would treat my stuff. And when the master comes, when God comes, when Jesus Christ comes and he gives you an ability, he gives you, he's looking at you and he's saying, look, I'm entrusting you with this. Here, take it, use it, but remember whose it is. It's mine and I'm giving it to you. And in the story, he does all of those servants. He knows their ability, but he comes to them and he says, here, this is trust. Here you go. Here you go. I trust you. I trust you with this. And he gives responsibility according to how he trusts us. Note that all of the servants have responsibility. Every one of them have responsibility. There's not one of them that he goes, sorry, you're too low on the totem pole. (laughs) You're not good enough. I'm just letting you coast. (laughs) He doesn't do that. Right? It's five. It's two. And it's, are you with me? It's one. But everybody is what? Responsible. Everybody is responsible. Hey, folks, as Christ followers, 
just because you have the ability to do five or you only have the ability for one, we're all what? We're all equal and we're all responsible. Every one of us are responsible. The master comes and he gives away the ability and he says this, you're responsible. It's yours. Do something with it. Now, you need to know something about this. We're only responsible for what we're given. You follow? We're only, the, the, the servants here were not responsible for somebody else's talent or money. They weren't. They were responsible for what the Lord gave, what? Them. As a Christ follower sitting here this morning, you are not responsible for anybody else's stuff or abilities or money or how they handle their time or what they do with their energy. You are responsible for who? Yourself. You are responsible for you. You before God. And here's what we love to do. We love to look at other people and go, if they did that different, they would be so much better. And in the same time that we're saying that, over here, ours is falling apart. But man, if they used their money this way, boy, God would be really happy. And over here, we're just, whatever. The servants were responsible for what the master gave them. Not what he gave other people. Them. Keep your eyes on your own stuff. Keep your eyes on what it is that God has entrusted to you. Now, here's another one that comes out of this is this. At the end of that little story with those guys, the master, and this was expected. This was just part of the story. He just expected they were going to do something with what he gave them. Right? He gave them, and he said, he didn't have to tell them, look, I, I have these. He just expected, look, this is your gift. This is your, this is your talent. This is your lot. I expect that something's going to happen with it. Now, there's a third guy, but I'm going to leave him for a minute. We'll come back to him, okay? There's a third guy, and we'll come back to him. The first two servants went immediately and started to work with what they had been given. Why? Why? When I read that story and when I read the parable as Jesus presents it, my brain goes to, what's the difference? Because there's three guys, and we're going to talk about the third guy in a minute, but the first two, it says this, that when he gave them to him and he left, it says, immediately, immediately they went and they started to do something with the talent, the responsibility that the master had given them. Why? First of all, they had a proper understanding of who they were and whose stuff they had. You catch that? They had a proper understanding of who they were and whose stuff they had. How in the world does that happen? If you're a Christ follower here, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, whose are you? You can answer. Whose? You belong to God. You've been bought with a price. Scripture says you are not your own. He owns you. So who do you belong to? Got a couple of you that got it. I'm asking the same question. You ready? The answer hasn't changed. You ready? If you're a Christ follower, whose are you? 
right. You belong to God. Now, just because you said that doesn't mean it all sunk down. You haven't got it all yet. I, I get it. And anything that you have as a Christ follower, whose is it? Are you sure? Yeah, sometimes. See, here's the, here's the deal, guys. The reason these two, these two servants could walk out immediately and start doing what they knew they should do is because they, had it un they understood internally that I don't belong to myself. I belong to the master. The stuff that I have is not mine. It belongs to the master. And so if I am not my own, I'm not working for me, I'm working for the master. And if this stuff belongs to the master, how would the master treat it? What would he do with it? That's exactly what I should do. And they knew it. They got it. They understood that. And here's the problem we have in the church today in North America and our culture. We think we're we're own, that we own our own stuff, that we are our own person doing our own thing, having it our way, right? You deserve it today because it should be your way. And we buy it, hook, line, and sinker. And when it doesn't go our way, we get all bummed out and upset and mad, God goes, why in the world are you upset? It's not yours anyway. Why in the world are you upset? You don't, you don't, you belong to me. So the master gave away responsibility to two servants and they understood immediately, this is not mine and I don't own myself. This belongs to the master. They understood so what does that look like practically for us? Well, let me help you a little bit with that. You know all that stuff that you've collected? If you're a Christ follower, none of it is yours. Zero. It all belongs to God. And you know all of the stuff and I'm, when I say stuff, I'm talking our finances, I'm talking our personal stuff, I'm talking about the relational stuff that we have. You know, all that stuff that we've accumulated, all of it, every bit that you have, you are responsible for before God to do something with for the glory of the kingdom of God. That's the bottom line, because it's not yours, it's God's. That's practical. That's how that looks. That's what these servants, that's what these servants were learning. This is all God's. It's not ours. It belongs to God. So how in the world do I get to the place where I start living that way? <laughs> right? I mean, it's good, Phil. We can know that, right? We can say, yeah, this is all God's. And everything he gives me, it's all God's. But how in the world do I start living my life so that I treat it that way? I live that way with it. Well, I'm glad that Phil asked that question because I'm going to help you to understand that this morning. See, our life is full of opportunities. And those opportunities come in different ways. I mean, they come in relationships, right? They come in experiences. But I'm going to use an opportunity that all of us deal with on a daily basis. And it's stuff, okay? So here you go. You, remember we were at the very beginning, we were talking about all the different stuff, and we talked about your clothes, and if you went home to your, to your closet, you have all kinds of clothes, but guess what? 
this is fall. Summer just went by, and it is now fall, and we're coming toward winter. And what they love to do in our culture is they change how clothes look so that the clothes that kept you warm last year are not fashionable, and now you have to have different clothes that still do the same thing. They still keep you warm, but they look a little different, and so you have to have more of what you already have, right? You with me? Yeah. And some of the ladies are saying he has no clue what he's talking about. And it's true, I don't have much of a clue when it comes to that whole thing. But it's just, it's one more thing, and I'm going to put this right here. And so there are, there are clothes, all right? And we all have to wear them because they have laws about that whole thing. And some of you also, anyway, that's a whole different thing. We need clothes. And what can happen is, is we just keep buying clothes. We keep buying clothes. We need more clothes. Another year is coming, and we need more clothes. And duct tape, because duct tape makes this work. Okay, so then something else happens. There's this incredible revolution that's taken place in the last little while, and it's these little computers that you hold in your pocket. And what's interesting about these little computers that you hold in your pocket, they wear out. Did you know that? But they don't wear out in terms of they stop functioning. They wear out because they're out of style. And they're out of style because now the little flip phone that Glenn keeps in his pocket is not good enough because his little flip phone doesn't do all the stuff that my fancy little phone does. And because his flip phone doesn't do what my phone does and he sees me doing with my phone what he can't do with his flip phone, he has to have one of these. Only he doesn't know how to work it, so he went back to his flip phone. It's true, right? Exactly. But my, my great phone that I have in my pocket, which is a wonderful little phone, isn't, I don't know how to use it, and they come out one with, for dummies. And it's smarter. And, and it does more stuff. And I really have to have it, right? And so what happens to us is this, that the stuff we thought was good enough is no longer good enough. And so here's what we do. We go out and we buy more electronics, more computers, more stuff, because it's not good enough anymore. And then, I'm not going to let the kids away with that, because we have some young people sitting in here too, and not only do they do that with electronics and clothes, but guess what? They do it with toys. They do the exact same thing with toys, and you'll get a Lego, and and next month, they come out with a different one that does more stuff. And you've got to have the different one that does more stuff because the one you have only does half the stuff. And so you've got to have more. And then, guess what? I'm not letting all the adults off with this because guess what, guys? Here's what happens to us. Vehicles. You've got a truck that runs great. It does everything you, you possibly need it to do. But guess what? They came out with a different model and it has a little bit bigger tires on it. And it drinks more gas, so it's really cool and you ought to have it. And so it's another vehicle. And then we add to that all the stuff that we know in life that we need. And so we start adding stuff. And I'm just going to put this. Here it goes. We're going to add stuff. And we're going to add, you're onto it. You got it. I heard somebody say it. What is it? Yeah, we're going to add more stuff. And you never have enough stuff because you just keep adding to what you already have. So how in the world do you deal deal with that? Because in our culture, this is common, guys. We all deal with this. And we deal with it in every area of our life. 
Here's how you deal with it. And I'm going to end. I, I didn't realize. I looked at my fancy thing here. Guess what? They didn't put the clock up. We're out of time. Here's how we deal with this, guys. At some point in our life as Christ followers, we have to come to a point where we, we realize that Christ is actually enough. It's not the stuff. It's not changing how we look. It's not changing what we eat. It's not changing the vehicles we drive. It's not getting more. It's not accumulating more that does any of it for us. It's coming to our, a point in our life where we understand that Christ, if this was an example of Christ, is enough. And we drive a stake in our life. And we say, this is enough. And that enough is wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. And I don't need all the other stuff to fulfill me. I need Christ. It doesn't mean that I don't come to a point where I might have to buy some other clothes or I might need something different. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that we come to a point in our life where we realize that everything we need is wrapped up in the Master. And those first two servants understood that everything that they needed was wrapped up in who that master was and the responsibility that the master had given them. And it wasn't wrapped up in who they were or what they could do or what they thought about themselves. It was in the master. And so they started from the point of understanding who they were and who their master was. And they immediately went and began to work for the master. Some of us, as disciples of Jesus Christ this morning, are so busy accumulating stuff that we're doing absolutely nothing for the Master. And the stuff, the responsibilities, the talents that the Master has entrusted to us, the the respect, the responsibility that the Master looked at and He said, look, you have these abilities and you have this that you could do certain things for me. And if you will start, if you'll make a stake and you'll start right here, you can do incredible things for my kingdom and for me. The one who saved you, the one who who put it all on the line for you. But you took what he gave you and instead of using it for the kingdom of God, you've spent it on, on yourself. And you've spent it on your own relationships and you've squandered and you've, you've put it out there all over the place. And now all of a sudden as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you go, hold it. That was the master's, not mine. And I wasted it. Hold it. The master entrusted me with all of that responsibility so that I could do something for the kingdom of God, not for me. And so I think sometimes as disciples of Jesus Christ, as Christ followers, we have to come back and we have to start again with the stake. And we have to realize that what the master entrusted to us belongs to the master, not to me. And what I've been using for myself, the master was asking me to use it for his kingdom, not for me. Where are you as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Are you so wrapped up in the more that you've forgotten who it belongs to? 
Are you so wrapped up in fulfilling all that stuff and keeping it going and looking after it that you've forgotten the responsibility he gave you? When he said, hey, you can handle 5,000. You can handle 2,000. You can handle one. Where's your stake? Where have you put the stake? One's enough. Let's pray. Father, this is so difficult in our culture. The commercials, the mindset of the day and age we live in is more. You'll be satisfied when you get. I deserve. This will make me happy. When in reality, you've already set it up for us and our fulfillment and our completeness comes in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you. God, would you help us to have the courage to drive a stake? To say, this is enough. And then to take what you've entrusted to us and use it for the glory of your kingdom. For your name's sake, not for ours. In your precious name we pray. Amen. If you want to chat a bit more about what we've been talking about this morning, I'll be down front for the next little while. And uh, have a great week, guys.